Hello, and welcome to the Global Venturing Review Podcast. I'm Fernando Moncada, and on today's episode, we're going to be taking a deep dive into data. I'm joined by GCV's Kellyanne Andonov, an analyst and reporter who also happens to be our resident data guru, and has put together an extensive collection of data points and graphs looking at how the CVC sector fared in 2022. It looks at questions like how did CVC activity change in relation to wider VC activity? At what stage have investors been investing? Have any geographies made big moves? What sectors received the most investment and more? By looking at the data story for last year, we get a bit of a picture of where we might be headed this year and what corporate venturers may need to look out for. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to GVR, which you can catch on any platform of your choice. And above all, enjoy the show. Hey, Cal, welcome back to the show and, and happy new year, by the way. Or, or I don't know, is it too late to say happy no, new no. year at this point? No, no. happy new year. Uh, we're, we're still in January, technically. So. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> for having me again. Yeah, th- thanks for coming back. And, and it's certainly, you know, a different environment than, than the one that we were in at, at this time last year, right? January 2022. And, and now we have the benefit of the, of the kind of full 2022 data. And to be able to look back and, and see the kind of the bigger picture of, of where corporate venturing is going into into 2023. And you've spent a lot of time piecing together that data tapestry, right? So we have a better understanding of what this past year has looked like in terms of, you know, wider CVC activity, as well as, you know, investments, fundraising, the differences between sectors, regions, and obviously how things have been changing over time. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I'm, I'm uh, more than happy to um, answer all of your questions regarding the data. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, and I, and I suppose to, to start off with, what have been the biggest takeaways from looking at those end of year figures for you? There are some exciting takeaways. So I guess the biggest one uh, and the most salient one that came out was the paths of corporate venture investors and the rest of venture capital investors seem to have diverged and in a very significant way last year. So the Overall VC deal numbers globally uh, went down by 25%, but the uh, CVC deal numbers fall by just 2%. So that's significant difference by any measure. And on top of that, we also had a record number of new CVC units being launched in 2022, which was also a very big news. Geographically, There were some regions like the UK, France, Germany, Singapore, and Canada that did see a rise in corporate back deals versus the previous year, versus 2021, which was, you know, a sort of a boom year. Yeah. So that was, to say the least. Yeah. yeah, That was, that was, so that was quite a, quite an interesting uh, finding. And then sector wise, the CVC investors seem to be shifting their looks towards seed stage and generally speaking, like earlier stage sort of deals and earlier stage investing, which is a, also a significant finding in my, in my view. I'm, I'm happy, happy to elaborate on that further as we go along. And then, of course, the corporate back deals accounted for about 19%, 19, that's one nine of global VC uh, funding 
activity. So I guess in broad strokes, we could summarize it like this, more or less. But I'm happy to, happy to discuss uh, the details and the nitty-gritty with you. Yeah, and I, I certainly want to do that as well. I suppose be, before that, is there any is there any particular kind of data set in there that surprised you the most? The one that surprised me the most, I mean, I would say probably the fact that CVC deal numbers fell by so little with respect, uh, like vis-a-vis the uh, VC deals that fell by 25%, CVC deals fell by just two. So uh, that was that, that was a, a big surprise to me in the beginning because, like more or less, if you look at if you look at basically global VC data and global CVC data, the CVC data seems to be sort of a of a mirror image or a reflection. But there was this divergence last year, so that was one thing that did surprise me surprised me a lot, and 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 also the newly launched CVCs. Hitting a record number that was that was also I guess pretty noteworthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and on the first part, and and I agree, it's definitely noteworthy the 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 two percent drop for CVCs versus twenty five for VCs. Do do we have a great? This is global figures. Global so figures. Let me just clarify. global figures. It's not just the US. right. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm aware a lot of our our audience is in the US, so this is global. that's right. Yeah, a, a good a good chunk of them are, but these these, these figures are global. Thanks for clarifying that it, but it's still a massive difference right two percent versus 25 do, do we have an idea of, of why cvcs were able to weather the storm better as it were i mean i have a few theories but um and i'm, and I'm happy to discuss them See, we like theories yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but i'm not sure if they coincide like 100 percent with reality so one of them would obviously be that maybe cvcs have been uh, well capitalized after the raging bull market we saw in 2021, and even in part 2020, a lot of them have probably scored a good number of exits, and they have been recapitalized and refunded, and likely some of their C-suite committee members may have seen the actual financial, not just the strategic, but also the financial benefit of uh, doing VC. And you know minority stake investing, uh, I speak. So, so that's uh, that would that could be one one explanation. And the other explanation, which would not be as positive, I suppose, is there might just be a lag in the data. So you know we can't like completely rule that one out until uh, we have we have more data and see uh, how things unfold in the next uh, say couple quarters. So that that could be another you know possible possible explanation. That's interesting. And on the second point that you mentioned there, that that um, you know that there's a rise in in, in the corporate back deals as a percentage of total VC deals. So I think in 2022 it was at 19, which if I'm not mistaken, that year on year increase is about in the percentage is about equal to the I think the previous nine years or something like that between between 2020. One and I think 2012, I think it was. There was like that kind of like that four percent increase. But is that could we attribute that just to the just to the increase in the in the corporate back deals, or is it also skewed slightly versus the big discrete versus the big decrease right. in, in total VC? Yeah, I mean it, it could partly be because of that. To be honest, it might have been just skewed by you know one number, meaning the the CVC number remaining relatively stable. 
versus the previous year or relatively unchanged versus the total global VC deals going down. So, 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 so it does get, you know, this, this solo number is prone to, um, you know, suffering from this, this kind of distortion. That's right. But that said, we do, if I'm not mistaken, the, in, in even in absolute terms, right, the, uh, the, the number of active corporates has been roughly going up, right? Obviously, with the exception of 2021, but I mean, the, the trajectory has been very positive. With the exception of 2022. <laughs> right, that's 2022. right, because it came down from 2021. Yeah, yeah. That's right. but, but yeah, I mean, roughly the number of active, active corporates, so the way we define active corporates is any corporation, whether with, with a specific CVC unit or without one, that has invested in at least one minority stake deals. So yes, that sort of number over the past slightly more than a decade now has been has been growing in a very uh, sort of compounding and almost exponential way. But yeah, we did see a slight slowdown in 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 2020, and I guess given the fact that we no longer live in a an accommodative monetary environment or not as accommodative as we have been living in the past decade or so and in particular the past two years uh, before 2022 that is yeah i mean you know some sort of drop some sort of correction is to be expected and you know to be uh, to be honest some of these active corporates are the sort of corporates that might occasionally a lot of them are you know the sort of corporates that are not necessarily regular investors but they're the sort of corporates that might occasionally take a minority stake in a in a startup deal or something like that so even if you know my my guess would be that even if some of them have done so a lot of them might have been reluctant to publicize it. So there's no way that could get reflected into the data, if you see what I mean. Because you, you don't want to necessarily publicize something like that when there is, you know, fears of a looming recession going on, everyone being scared by what the next move of the Federal Reserve Bank or, you know, of the whatever central bank uh, in the specific country might be, you probably don't want to, you know, be too vocal about engaging in in, in investing in in the in what's known to be the riskiest asset class. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is risky, obviously, by its very nature. But also, we have seen, you know, a few. No, well, not a few, but quite quite a few headlines over the past year of of, of kind of uh, you know CVC units shutting up shop, especially like you know in, in the crypto sphere, which yeah. has just been which has just gotten demolished this year, generally speaking. But but then that's also you know trickled down to their. Well, the price of Bitcoin seems to have recovered since the the bottom around the FTX Alameda fiasco, but uh, obviously n- nowhere near the all-time high the peak that it was yeah exactly so yeah that that's 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 had a, a downstream effect anyway on on those uh, respective venturing well obviously <laughs> in the ftx case that that's that's just gone oh yeah for obvious reasons another theme that's kind of emerged from this data which which you mentioned earlier was the shift 
away from from the more later stage rounds and the bigger deals into the more earlier and, and seed stage? What 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 implications can we draw from that? Quite a few. So if you think of it this way, you know, an earlier stage round or an earlier stage company that is still, say, pre-revenue is not as likely to see its valuation as heavily slashed as, you know, a later stage company that is, you know, already generating revenues and uh, might even start making profits and, and, and so on. So if we are to take, you know, the sort of conventional wisdom according to which an economic downturn lasts for about uh, well anywhere from six months to about two years. Given that these companies are very early stage, it's not like they're going to start generating, it's not like most of them are going to start generating revenues in the next quarter or two or you know the next nine months even. So, you know, their valuations are likely not going to be as penalized as the valuations of later stage companies that might have gotten a bit overheated, if you see what I mean. So it is a, it is in a way a strategic sort of move to, you know, a class of investments that's, whose valuations might be a little bit more robust, at least in the short run, right? And then I guess the other, the other thing to keep in mind there is that for some CVCs to, to start investing into earlier stage companies, it might take them a, a sort of a transition period, which would, uh, you know, might require updating mon- mandates you know, getting sort of internal approvals and, and, and so on and so forth. So there might be, you know, some sort of a transition there. But yes, it it seems like it might be also a good time to to start looking at at those investments because some of those will be the Googles and Facebooks of, of tomorrow, like five, ten years down the road. So it's just probably a smart thing to do anyway, right? Yeah, and and it does have, you know, important impacts on on the investment firms because it kind of it pushes out the investment horizon. Right. It kind of, you know, it it affects their I suppose medium term, you know, r- returns horizon and horizon 2 and horizon 3 versus horizon Yeah, exactly. One. The the famous uh, sort of classification we see in this business. So so yes, I mean, you might argue that there is some uh, emerging evidence of this this thing happening. Now, whether this is a persistent trend, obviously, time will tell. But um, yeah, we definitely see that see that sort of thing happening. Yeah, and the and and as a result, or, or I suppose in parallel to that, you know, the, the share of of the biggest, you know, the the big deals defined as you know north of hundred million dollars has, I think, dropped to the to the has been shrinking yeah over the past year uh, and you know yeah that's quite a normal and expected thing to see in the data given the overall macro circumstances that we've got going on so you know on the one hand like those deals 
so if if you're a startup raising like a hundred million dollar plus, that kind of implies you're a unicorn, and if you're you are a unicorn, you know more than likely you've seen your valuation slashed right over the past year, and you know. So it's uh, unfortunately we don't have data on how many of those rounds have been down rounds, but we could imagine that a fair a fair bit. Right? So you know it's it's quite I guess quite normal you know on the one hand for investors to be reluctant to commit more cash into that sort of deal that would be that could be a down round. And I mean that, that's not to say that they won't, but you know, on the whole, they might just be less willing to do so. And you know, on part of the startups, they also realize that you know, if they're having a down round because you know their valuation has been slashed from like I don't know, say nine billion to four point five billion, that's probably not the best time to raise capital. Exactly. Yeah. So to speak. So it's it's like. Or at least not to uh, not to raise equity, right? They can still go to debt. Oh yeah, well, or at least not to not not to raise equity anyway, right? Right. So, so, so yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a vicious circle in there, in a way. And um, you know, if if you look at the small size deals and the respectively the earlier stage, because you know the smaller size deals are normally raised by earlier stage companies. So yeah, you you did see we did see uh, an increase over the past year. So uh, yeah, that's uh, like case in point, suggesting what we just talked about—the shift towards earlier stage sort of deals, earlier stage portfolio companies seeking opportunities at that stage. Where we've seen perhaps less significant change is in in kind of when we break things down by region, right? So you still have the three big ones, which are Obviously, North America, Europe, Asia, and everyone else is kind of lagging behind. But you know, to 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 what extent are 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 there kind of movers and shakers among the other geographies, and, and what can we take from that? Yeah, like I mentioned, there were a few countries where we did see a larger number of deals, of corporate back deals, anyway, than in 2021, previous year. So, so that was in the U in places like the UK, France, Germany, Canada, Singapore. So, so yeah, there. This does suggest because we have been seeing that over the past like couple quarters. So that does suggest there might be you know a more sort of uh, permanent move of some capital towards those geographies. And also there were in terms of regional regional differences in the funding initiatives area. We did see slightly more in in Europe than in in other regions in 2022 so yeah there there seems to be it seems to be like money never sleeps and is is like seeking opportunities to be invested in so to speak and in 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 terms of where it's invested i think the the you know the three biggest sectors tend to be it finance and and health right although i think and if i'm not mistaken i'll have to refer back to to the graph, but I think health went down from 2021 to 2022, but then the other two, the other two big ones like increased, right? Yeah. I mean, the increase, well, the increase was somewhat marginal. So, so let's not like make a mountain out of a molehill, right? Yeah. 
Is there anything we can take away from those three being the biggest ones? Is it is it like the the low kind of capital intensity relative to others, or you might argue that uh, for like IT for the most part, except for you know hardware related stuff, so that's not necessarily low capital intensity. I don't know that you could argue that for health because you know a good chunk of health is pharmaceuticals and you know pharmacology and drug discovery, so that's not necessarily low in capital intensity right big r&d budgets right so it's big r&d budgets correct and you know so i i don't know that we could argue that about uh, pharma per se but just to answer like your question so i guess the way i would interpret it so for health which includes any sort of pharma any care provision any medical devices any telemedicine and, and, and so on. It's a very like all-encompassing category we have. This just in general tends to be a less sensitive sector to the business cycle. Although arguably, even there, you would expect probably less money being thrown into emerging biotech as before because credit is no longer as cheap, but we haven't quite seen that yet as intensely at least in our data and and then you know with in terms of things like fintech that's also a very broad and diverse one but a good number of it up until the ftx fiasco was driven by you know crypto so we will have to see how that unfolds during this year basically um my guess is that and there will probably be a drop, although, you know, as Yogi Berra said, predictions are very hard, especially about the future. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I mean, my guess is that crypto might see a drop overall. Um, other areas of fintech, like alternative lending, I guess those would vary on a case-by-case basis in terms of, um, you know, how well the finances of those lenders are and what the sort of customer you know borrowers default rates are going to be if there is to be a you know the much dreaded economic downturn that everyone's expecting and talking about so yeah that that one might drop as well and then in terms of things like it it is you know the sort of thing that's always hot in a way (laughs) in vc investing whether it's whether it's about things like chat GPT or whether it's something else, there's always something hot or something exciting in IT. And, you know, it's likely to get, it's likely to be less capital intensive unless it's hardware related or maybe chips and semiconductor related. So say for those, it's likely to be less capital intensive, as you mentioned. It's also once we're out of a, out of the bear market, it's likely to score an easier and quicker exit. So yeah, you have you have corporates from across all sectors investing in a lot of IT tech, broadly speaking. So anything from you know oil and gas to you know banks and finance to the big tech like Google, Microsoft, and so on. They're all investing in a lot of IT things. So. There's no, there's almost never like shortage of interest in IT in a way. Yeah, on 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 the crypto point, it is remarkable to see where we are now because I, I remember there were there was like a few month 
there, there, there was a like a few months long window, like around the end of 2021 or early 2022, where just every day there was a, there was another crypto investment. There was another someone was investing in some kind of crypto exchange or crypto, you know, product. And, and now, like, no one really wants to touch them <laughs> that much in terms of just like new investments, anyway. Right. Not, not to be confused with with the kind of wider blockchain and and, and Web three build out, but. But yeah, yeah just, I mean, it was a typical bubble, if yeah. you if you ask me, and it had all the sort of signs and characteristics of it. By the way, as I mentioned, bubble probably a good book that I could recommend to you and to uh, anyone listening, unless you know people have already read it. Is Edward Chancellor uh, Devil Take the Hindmost: History of Financial Speculation. It had all the signs of a of a bubble of uh, you know uh, something that had gathered momentum and it went to you know a point that that was arguably irrational in terms of valuations in terms of price levels because I mean you had like even even jokes like dogecoin <laughs> like i mean that, that thing had like at, at some point i think around its peak it had like a market cap of like 90 billion or something <laughs> that, the, which, dogecoin, that, that was a classic. Which, is, which is ridiculous which is ridiculous that's a i mean and it was known from day one that this was a joke it was a classic pump and dump essentially that was so right right <laughs> And then, like even even projects that were not like ostensibly at least a joke, there you you had uh, well you had a lot of a lot of fraud that uh, just surfaced later on. So you know, I think there might be some some period of transition until we get to, we get to a point where you know the majority of the public could sort of trust this kind of assets and this kind of investments because you know it just you, you don't want to you know invest into something through a crypto exchange that you know might go bust tomorrow <laughs> so. yeah no, and i think there will be a kind of like a wider recalibration and, and, a, uh, and a and a management of, of expectations about about the growth of value of these assets because because i think everyone just thought it would just keep going up and, until it suddenly just stopped and and I suppose we we've been speaking mostly about investments, obviously. But perhaps you know to 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 close out with, want to ask about the other side of that coin, which is which is exits, right? And, and we've seen obviously exits have been slowing down. The the economy is not great. People aren't as willing to to spend as much money buying stuff. So so yeah, we didn't see a divergence there. So so what does the landscape look like at the minute for exits? Yeah, I mean, I would say the landscape sort of progressively worsened throughout 2022 from like the beginning of 2022 when we were still like almost in bull market territory you know the war in ukraine broke out the federal reserves started raising interest rates and with that it just uh, became like more and more clear that MA markets and public equity markets are no longer as buoyant as they were not too long ago. So expectedly, we saw fewer exits than the previous year. And, you know, the total estimated dollar value that we, we looked at was obviously considerably down. 
compared to the previous year, which was, you know, a year of a raging bull market, I mean, 2021, right? So yeah, what are the implications? I would say there would have to be probably this period of slight transition where, you know, market participants in those markets that provide the exits for VC adjust to the new monetary normal and to the new normal in the financial world. And they start investing with a little more confidence than they have been, right? And, you know, historically, sometimes, you know, markets, like particularly public equity markets, tend to bottom before a recession is over. So, so you know, that could be in the next, sometime in the next 12 months. We don't know. So yeah, but I, I mean, I guess, I guess in the foreseeable future for like this quarter, I suppose we're most likely to be on standby to see investors being on standby in those markets. Although arguably some B firms have been adapting quite a bit to the new, to the new sort of environment with things like buyouts and, and so on. So. You know, it's uh, it still remains to be seen. Basically, I, I don't know if my my answer is being very helpful here, but no, yeah, and and I think you know certainly what we can conclude in the short term is that you know probably for for CVC is going for for the quick wins probably isn't the best idea. We might need to yeah lengthen that horizon a bit, and you know, encouragingly, a lot of the. Investors I've spoken to have said that, you know, yeah, the, the economy is not great and, and the outlook's not, <laughs> is a bit cloudy, but, you know, we're in this for, you know, seven, 10 years at a time. Right. So, so yeah, so it's not like they're doing day trading or anything. Yeah, exactly. Or no. doing crypto investing or anything like that. Exactly. No, so they're, so they're quite focused on, on just keeping the ship steady and, 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 and I suppose doubling down or, or, or focusing down on their, on their thesis and, yeah, I, I, I and just staying the course exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, probably you know the the, the series F's are are going to be few and far between in, in in the near future. But you know, over time, they'll 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 surely come back. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably come back, and even though they might be fewer, you know, if the syndic, if everyone in the syndicate is still a committed investor, they they will probably continue to invest even in series F's and. So yeah, well, well, they'll certainly be keen to anyway. Mm. <laughs> right, well, well, thank you so much for for putting all this this data together for us. Which, by the way, anyone listening can can check out on globalventuring.com, and and we'll we'll be adding a a link to to that collection of 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 data in the show notes. So keep an eye out for that. Thank you for having me. Of course, and I look forward to having you again in the near future. Likewise, have a good one. That's it from us this week. Be sure to subscribe to the Global Venturing Review, which you can catch on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever else you choose to listen to your audio content. I have been Fernando Moncada. Our sound engineer is Mark Chatterley from Inear Production, whose great work you can check out at inearproduction.com. And our music is by Kevin McLeod in a Creative Commons license. We'll be back again soon, as ever. Until then, take care. Thank you.